podcast today's pagan pop culture for the modern witch i'm your host devin hunter and joining me in studio b in lovely salem massachusetts is our co-host rowan pendragon rowan how are you doing today i'm good how are you doing good doing good so it's been an interesting week in uh, paganism this week Mm. Uh, we of course to me probably the most um well the biggest thing that happened would have been um yeshe rabbit Mm mm-hmm putting a very important blog post out this week, um, basically retiring uh, from the Dianic lineage of the Dianic tradition. And uh, this is, it's a pretty big move, I have to tell you. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very, I, I have to say, like, everything she does, she did it so beautifully mm-hmm. and so gracefully. And I I really like the fact that I mean, we, we kind of knew that when, when this was going to happen, that the name of the priestess tribe would change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, you know, I, I think most people would, would kind of expect that. But then there are some people that might not kind of think like, well, you have to change your name. But I have so much respect for the fact that she did that because of exactly why, you know, she explained it in, in her post that, you know, the word Amazon is so deeply tied to that lineage and that tradition that it only made sense to kind of let that go and to come up with a new name and their new name. At first it took me a minute and then I'm like, Oh, I like that when I thought about the, 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 the one of their big things being blood mysteries. So the mm-hmm. blood root honey priestess tribe, I just thought that was beautiful. So as always rabbit does it again, mm-hmm. does it beautifully. <laughs> so, well, and she, they, they did it rather it, smart too because yeah. they they went off on retreat so right. they dropped the post and they left for the left town for a couple of days yeah. which i don't blame them let it all kind of well, settle and, and yeah because yeah. it's it, it's a big deal and to be where i'm at watching everything happen i'm very 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 proud of the work that those women have done and also the stance that they're taking by separating i think mm-hmm. is the ultimate i mean really what more could you want Right. You know, people right. out there, everyone's been, I'm going to say, everyone's bitching, uh-huh. you know, and, oh, well, they're not doing enough. They're not doing, well, here you go. Right. So they have officially retired from the Z Budapest Dianic line, um, or I believe, what is the Z the Z Budapestian, yeah, that's Budapestian Wicca, <laughs> Dianic Wicca. I don't know what they're going to call it now. But yeah, so there's, that was a big step for them. And yeah. she's got a, you know, she's, she's a really amazing woman. Um, not just to be able to put together a 400 plus member coven, 
me just say that that's yeah, epically really. huge but the the amount of work that this woman does is amazing and to be able to watch her and do what I can do in, in my busy schedule, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, do what I can do. Of course, they've got plenty of people. I mean, 400 plus people, you know, in that coven, they don't yeah. need, they don't need extra help necessarily, but, um, <laughs> to, to be around it and to be around her energy and her wisdom is, is always a wonderful thing. And when she, when she actually sits down to write, she, she ends up saying the most amazing things and she does it so eloquently, like you said. Yeah. And uh, so reading the post is I had, I knew that it was going to happen, you know, cause her and I talk and, um, I knew it was going to happen and just kind of was waiting and waiting and waiting. And then they picked international women's day, which, mm-hmm. of, which was also a full moon, right. um, to do this. And of course the day that they're leaving for their big retreat, which I have to tell you from, from someone who is often making public statements, that's kind of the way you want to do it. You want to drop the ball and then walk away. And let everyone kind of settle down before you start to answer questions. So yeah, I think be, and they're, they're es- right. Especially in this situation because, you know, despite the fact that it's been almost a month that we've had now since, well, not even a, that long. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's been forever since the whole Pantheacon thing just because it just doesn't go away. But, right. you know, I mean, we've got that still fresh in our minds. And so people are still not obviously as much as they were a few weeks ago, but people are still kind of talking about it because thankfully exactly what, you know, I would hope to see come out of this rather than, than people lingering on things like that there was a protest and stuff like that. People are talking about, okay, well, where are we not including Mm-hmm. other people and what do we need to do to be more inclusive and you know and it's not just about transgender individuals it's about anyone in the community that that needs a place you know how are we being exclusive when we should be more inclusive which was one of the things that with the um the former amazon priestesses and now bloodroot honey priestesses that was one of the things that rabbit addressed was the desire to be inclusive and to not feel that there was some sort of underlying need to be exclusive because of the tradition that they were connected to. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I think everybody, you know, again, it's that's that came out to be the big talking point, thankfully. And that's what we needed to get from this. You know, we didn't get it last year because last year it just turned, it, it really did turn into a little bit of a witch hunt on Z Budapest mm-hmm. and, and the Dianics. And it instead of looking at the real issue, which was the need to find how we can be more inclusive. Well, now we've gotten there. Now we're kind of looking at it. And this is an example of, you know, what you got to look and say is how we're behaving as a group or coven or community. Is it helping or hurting the greater pagan community? Mm-hmm. And this is something that's been hurting the community and it's still hurting the community. And so they did a beautiful job. Rabbit did a great job of, of explaining why they needed to make this break and make this change so that they can bring that healing where it needs to be so mm-hmm. and and yeah you have to you know you have to kind of when when the ball drops you got to walk away for a little bit because there's you know I, thankfully i've seen the um comments on the announcement that she made and everything's been very supportive which is mm-hmm. which is great so far um but you know that there's going to be some backlash in a way somewhere somewhere down the line and you got to mm-hmm. kind of go you know what we're just going to let this settle gonna let especially for the women that are involved in this intimately involved in this who are part of this group of priestesses they need to go and you know take on this new cloak as it were and Mm -hmm. kind of prepare themselves to come back into the community in this new fashion and in this with this new vision and work 
without having to worry about that stuff and being prepared for what they're going to have to deal with. So, Right, right. So. Well, you know, well, I did, did talk to her and um, we are pretty sure – um, that uh, she'll be coming on next week, mm-hmm. and we'll be talking about that. But, of course, they're on retreat right now, so we weren't able to hammer details down. But um, she did say, yes, she would. She wants to come on the show and talk about it. So yeah. why not? You know, yeah. that's what I say. Um, so stay tuned and follow the Facebook, and we'll let you know as soon as we have details. Um, and speaking of details, we have um, just released the e-version, the digital version of Modern Witch magazine. And uh, we should have a print version within a week, I would assume. Um, so just keep staying tuned. It's a lot of work. And I, re- I, don't, well, I didn't just realize, but after talking to some other people who do magazines, um, the fact that we were able to do what we were able to do in two months yeah. <laughs> um, is beyond a feat, which I didn't yeah. know, which makes me happy because 320 hours last mm-hmm. time I logged because I've been obsessed with how much time all this stuff takes me. And... Um, yeah, 320 hours, Rowan. Yeah, that's a lot of time. For one magazine, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're in the process of all that and um, getting all that worked out, which I'm excited about because it's so awesome. <laughs> it just is. It's a really great product. It now, is. And let's talk about it. Let's go ahead and let's, let's get it out there. Because um, one thing that as soon as we, uh, we released it yesterday um, mm-hmm. and we already got downloads, which is cool, but um, there were some people who were upset about the price. Right. So I would like to take a moment and let's talk about that because this is this is a, an interesting an interesting subject um, for a, for a lot of reasons. We've we've talked on the show about charging for your practices and things like that, um, and we know that you know hey if you're professional you got to you got to charge you know you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. This magazine for us, Rowan, isn't it? Isn't like a hobby? It isn't like right. we were just sitting around going. We think we're going to make a magazine. Right. And that I think is an important thing. You know, I understand the issue of price and I understand the issue of people being like, oh, this is just too much money. And I, I get that. But it's also important to understand that now, for example, with the print version, because we don't have the print version available yet, but it will be shortly. And the now the, the for context, for those who don't know, the e-version is $15. The print mm-hmm. version is going to be twenty five dollars. Now it's now I'm sure some people are like, oh my god, how much money must you be making? Let me tell you, yeah. not a lot, <laughs> almost nothing, because yeah. the the cost that goes into publishing what we're doing now, if we were doing it on the cheap, if we had gone black and white and kind of you know cheap print and paper, then yeah, it would have been easy for us to sell a ten dollar magazine. But we chose to go with something that's going to be a little bit more visually enticing and a little more engaging and a little more interesting than just an average magazine. If we just wanted to throw together stuff in print, I mean, anybody Mm -hmm. can do that cheap and it's not a problem. But what we did and specifically what you did, Devin, because you're the one who handled all the design stuff. I just so people understand the division of labor here. (laughs) Definitely. Devin has much more to do than I do. I handle all of the editing and taking care of the actual articles but Devin is working on all the design and the design is not easy because he's got to come up with all of the stuff and then make it all fit in the 
you know, layout for it. And we have, it's full color, full bleed, which is a whole other, as we've discovered, (laughs) is a whole Mm. other problem (laughs) with a whole other bunch of hours of work that need to get done on it in order to get it to print properly. So while my time on the magazine, this go, was a little less because we didn't have as many, you know, it's the first time. So our amount of submissions that I had to go through were not that immense. And I had my own articles to write. But, you know... I don't need to police Devin. So <laughs> Devin's items, you know, I didn't have to really deal with and that's, that's okay. But well, I may, might've spent maybe 40 or 50 hours going through everything. And, and plus I was handling the website and all that too. Devin was spending 300 plus hours trying to make the thing look right. And then dealing with the fact that how many times, five times you tried to get it printed and it wouldn't print. The actual official number of how many times the magazine was sent in for proof is 29. Oh, oh wow. It's a lot more than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, there's that too. There's a lot of time. And plus, here's another important thing to understand is that in the design process, there, because of how we're doing it, which is not, we're not, you know, we've, we've know other people that do magazines in the similar fashion. Yes, it's self-published and that's not a problem and that's fine. And when you do a very graphic intense piece like this, there are certain programs that you're going to use to do it. And of course, Mm -hmm. Devin is using um, very expensive Adobe software. That is not something that was ripped off a torrent website or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So there's that as well. There's the cost of, you know, having all of the stuff you need to make it happen. So at the end of the day, it's not the cheapest thing, but it's certainly not the most expensive thing. But you're right. getting a hundred, around a hundred pages of articles, and Devin put together these neat spell sheets that are very pretty. And there's actually there's a gorgeous picture that you took that I think um, would make a perfect little just like hanging on your wall as a reminder <laughs> of well, what you do. Well, the whole thing going through the magazine, the the whole point of doing the magazine the way it was done was because we got a lot of people who were talking about the low quality of things that are out there. Because if you're going to, you know, yes, you can, and I'm not talking about Witches and Pagans magazine and Circle Sanctuary. Those are great publications that have been around for a long time. Um, but it's we are way different from them. Um, they The way that we approach things is different. I mean, it's all just different. And the whole point of this magazine was that you're buying a book of shadows. Right. And there was basically it's a quarter it's a quarterly book of shadows and you open it up. It's all on parchment. Um, there are it's just it's really, really, really nice. And it's definitely something that you, you it, the whole point of going through the magazine is so that you can kind of go through and, you know, say, I like this. I want to add this to my book of shadows or I really like this picture. So I want to take it out, print it up and frame it, um, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. There's a lot of work into it. And there now here's the other thing too if we were in europe okay i'll start this again if we were in europe um <laughs> there there are magazines well there's one particular of course the name escapes me now um but there's one magazine in particular that is doing something similar to what we're doing and they've been around i think almost seven years now mm-hmm. and um they don't have an e-copy available right which is something I don't different think any of them do nobody does we're the only ones that have e-copies Available for the magazine. Um, well, for well, for like well, what we're yeah. doing, you know, which yeah. is an all. I think all of BBI now does um, PDF versions as well because I know I have, I have a subscription <laughs> to Witches right. and Pagans, and I get the digital edition. Yeah, 
No, and there's nothing. I mean, there's this isn't a slam on witches and pagans. I love that. Magazine. Oh no, 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 because this is um, totally different. Like what we're doing. Yeah, if anyone is, if anyone's familiar with Pentacle Magazine, yeah. which is out of the UK, yeah, kind of like that, except they don't do color. But it's kind of that idea. If you kind of take the idea of Pentacle Magazine and um, Hoodoo and Contra Quarterly and kind of mash them together, that's kind of what you get. Yeah, with Modern Witch Magazine, it's the look, the idea, and concept of Hoodoo and Conjure Quarterly because it's all very graphic intensive. But like the content idea of a magazine mm-hmm. like Pentacle or um, Spell with the Spellcraft out of the UK mm-hmm. or out of Australia, um, you know. So it's it's there's it's not just like buying a magazine with a bunch of. Well, here's one thing. Uh, some of these other magazines have so much advertising in them. It's like right. pages and pages and pages of advertising. Yes, we have advertisers in our magazine, right. but it's not pages and pages and pages. It's limited. And that it's was limited. the other part of it, too. And that was in, that was done on purpose, and we're going to continue to do that because we don't want it to be filled with advertising. We, we, you see, we know you guys are all on Facebook and Twitter, and you see enough advertising there as it is, especially – you know, pagans are at, if, if a pagan is selling a stick of incense, they're advertising it in 20, 20 places. Right. So we know that you're seeing advertising. We know that we don't need to remind you that, you know, you can go shop at Azure Green. You know, we know you know that. So the idea was that we would keep the um, advertising limited and an attempt to reach out to more independent people and individuals. Like we have Christopher Penzek's Copper Cauldron mm-hmm. is one of the advertisers in this edition. And, you know, so things like that, we're looking more on that scale and keeping it minimal so that we can put in that hundred pages that we allot articles and spells and things like that, that people are going to be more, you know, we hope that you're more interested in finding as opposed to, you know. Well, yeah, and it's not like the magazine is full of um, clip art either. No, I mean, that's the other part of it, too. Everything that is in that magazine cost us money. Yeah. Every image cost us money. So and let me we tell you, we were doing it right the right way. Yeah, and let me just tell everyone for as for myself as someone who doesn't use stock photography sites that often. I do have one that I work with a lot, but I now know exactly what you went through <laughs> because I I'm in the process of working. I'm I'm doing a whole relaunch of both my websites in May, and so mm-hmm. I've been working on some new products that I'm going to have available on my, on my website. And so I was going to get some stock photos and I decided I would go ahead and sign up for one of these websites that I found that had a lot of magical and metaphysical imagery that I could use and went ahead and paid, I think almost $60 for mm-hmm. download credits for it. And so I was downloading the smaller images cause I'm thinking, well, it doesn't need to be big. I just need like a little thing for the corner. And I just like, I needed, you know, the chakra symbols and things like that. So I bought small images that were like one or two credits. And then mm-hmm. when I actually got them in a Photoshop, I couldn't do anything with them. Mm-hmm. So then I realized, Oh crap, I am going to have to spend like six credits for one image. And then oh, like, yeah. So it's not cheap, you know. So there's there are a couple images in there that are that cost us more than the magazine print cost. Yeah, and that's, so like if you if you buy a mag if you buy an, a, a copy for twenty five dollars of the printed version, there are pieces of the magazine that alone cost us more. Yeah. Just to have the rights to use them. And yeah. honestly, we didn't know. <laughs> right, right, We right. didn't know this was going to happen. No. When we, you know, so we had, and plus, you know, when I was, when I had kind of 
had brought Ted because it was funny because we both kind of have the same idea at the same time mm-hmm. about doing the magazine. My whole inspiration for wanting to start working on, you know, maybe putting something together was Wild Sisters magazine, which is totally different than what mm-hmm. we ended up doing. It's mm-hmm. on a it's, you know, it's strictly digital. It's on a much smaller scale. And that was kind of what I had had in mind. And it wasn't that I wasn't thinking big enough. I was just thinking, you know, I don't want to spend 320 hours doing one cut, one issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but of course you, you have always have a much bigger vision than I do on most things. And so I am a Sagittarian. <laughs> yes. And so I take something little and make it much, much yeah. bigger than it needs to I be. I mean, within, which... I, I think it was an hour. On, I think we were an hour talking about it. And all of a sudden it went from this little thing that I wanted to do where I just wanted to like, you know, let's do like a 30 page PDF for a couple bucks and just like, you know, get some bloggers to write some articles. Next thing I know, Devin's got us doing a hundred plus page print magazine with, mm-hmm. with big photos and all this. And it's, but it's gorgeous. It came out great. So well, and you know, okay, so the whole thing, the reason why I wanted to do the magazine um, is when I, was, when I was younger, I got a copy of Enchanted by uh, Titania or Tatiana or whatever. Tatiana. You yeah. can pronounce it a million ways. And it depends on which English you're using because if you're using the Queen's English. Oh, Lord. But anyway, no, <laughs> but I love, love, love. And there's a photographer in there. And of course, the name escapes me now, but um, – and I just I loved the way the the book looked because the book was witchy. It wasn't just mm-hmm. a book about witchcraft. The actual book itself was witchy. So it was something that you could that you could leave on your coffee table, walk away from. Somebody who didn't know what you were into could be sitting at your you know at your on your couch and pick it up and start to flip through it and go, oh okay, well there's there's this really artistic, really beautifully rendered you know kind of theory behind this practice. So I've always wanted to do it, and I wrote a blog post probably maybe three or four months after I started the show um, because people who were listening started saying, Oh, well, we'd love it if, you know, do you, do you ever um, take the, like the actual interviews and print them? And I no, I don't do that. Well, you should think about that. Cause that would be cool. Well, that would be cool. And so, you know, <laughs> so I wrote a, I wrote a blog post saying, Oh, I think I'm going to start working on modern witch magazine. And this was almost two years. Well, over two years ago. And, um, it just didn't happen. There's because there's, it's a lot of work. It's a whole lot of work. Um, and, and so here we are now and and I didn't, the funny thing was, is I didn't rec, I didn't realize, um, the extent of the differences that you and I had seen in the beginning. Um, I didn't realize that. And so I, I felt bad for Rowan because she ended up waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for me to send her something. And I finally did. And it's this huge file, huge yeah, I file. Know, it was gigantic. And she's like, what? This is going to take two hours to upload? What? <laughs> and um, so she gets it. She's looking through it. And I could tell you didn't expect it to be like that. No. Um, and then, of course, my partner, um, one of my partners is coming through. And they didn't know. They, they just thought I was, I was making something that was much less intricate. And, um, so finally one of my partners ended up walking in and, and was, and I, we got into an argument cause they wanted me to go do something else. And I'm like, well, you don't understand this is a lot of work and I really need to focus, but you've got all this other stuff to do. Well, I know, but I have to do this. <laughs> and, um, so finally when they actually got to see it and they were going through it and then everyone shut up mm-hmm. and it was like, a, oh, okay, well this is actually, this is cool. This is very cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of it. I have to tell yeah. you, and, and even if no one buys one of the copies <laughs> and people and pagans want to go on protest it is well worth the $25. I mean, the to even get the thing printed 
is a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Um, and the E versions were not really making money off of either. So, right. I mean, there's, it's an interesting, it, it's, it's all very interesting. Um, and it's not like we have a staff, you know, it's you and me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really proud of it. I have, there's yeah. no, I, I, I don't think it could have turned out better. And I like all the re-edits that I ended up doing this last round because they made it even bigger and prettier and all that good stuff. So all, all in good time. We've got some good things coming our way. Um, so do check it out, modernwitchmag.com. You can get your e-copy now. Um, if you are interested in, like I said, we'll have print versions soon. But enough of this. We're going to take a break. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Storm Fairy Wolf about the Iron Pentacle, which is a really wonderful kind of psychic diagnostic tool that we can use as witches to make sure that our life force is headed in the right direction.
Hi there, I'm Storm Fairy Wolf from the Mystic Dream, the online spiritual supply store catering to magic, witchcraft, and spirit. Check out our online store where you will find crystals, candles, ritual supplies, and herbs, or browse over our large selection of free spells and rituals. And while you're at it, why not book a psychic reading with some of the most talented mediums, clairvoyants, and tarot experts in the modern occult world? We also offer magical and conjure services like setting of lights, custom mojos, and a wide range of our very own conjure and magical products blended in-house handcrafted oils, bath salts, powders, waters, incense, dressed candles, and more. Available only at The Mystic Dream. Visit us online at www.themysticdream.com or give us a call at 925-933-2342. The Mystic Dream, where ancient wisdom meets the new aeon.
Welcome back to the Modern Witch Podcast, today's pagan pop culture for the modern witch. Joining me in Studio B over there in Salem, Massachusetts, is our lovely co-host Rowan Pendragon. And uh, joining us today on the show is uh, Storm Fairy Wolf, who is an amazing fairy teacher. He's been around for quite some time. He's had a website out. And we're going to be talking about one of the fairy practices, which is the Iron Pentacle. Storm, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Glad to be back. So when we're talking about the Iron Pentacle, I mean, let's let's first start off with what is it? Where does it come from? Um, because there, there, I've read, you know, there's a lot of stuff in books and there's a lot of, you know, every every teacher has their own kind of way of approaching it. But if we push all that to say, what well, meat and bones, what are we looking at here? Well, the Iron Pentacle is a type of meditative device, an energy construct that was likely invented by the late Victor Anderson, who is considered to be the founder of the fairy tradition of witchcraft. Uh, Most people who are familiar with the Iron Pentacle are likely familiar through its work in the reclaiming tradition, um, which has roots in fairy. Um, Starhawk, who is arguably the most prominent member of reclaiming, one of the founders of that tradition, was a fairy initiate and had trained with Victor Anderson for a time. And so the Iron Pentacle, along with some other fairy tools, found their way into her 1979 publication, The Spiral Dance. And so a lot of people who practice witchcraft today are familiar with the Iron Pentacle through Starhawk's work. Okay, now uh, there are five points to the, to, to the Iron Pentacle. What, what, let's talk about these points. So the first one is sex. Let's talk about sex. Okay. Um, Yeah, so there's five points, and they each represent um, different qualities that we embody in our life, and these qualities are often problematic. They're something that we need to find our own balance with. And as you mentioned, the first one is sex. Um, There's no argument that we are all here because of sex. We are sexual beings. Um, But the sex point on the Iron Pentacle is so much more than just about how bodies touch. It is a recognition that sex is about energy. And so through the point of sex on the Iron Pentacle, we are being asked to open up to life force, open up to energies outside of ourselves. 
kind of like we would if we were actually engaging in sexual activity with another person. Our energy body becomes permeable. We allow ourselves to open up so that we can receive energy from someone else. But when we are focusing on the Iron Pentacle, we are being reminded that, again, sex is so much more about just our bodies. We might experience a sexual energy, a sexual um, encounter, through looking at a beautiful sunset or a gorgeous piece of art. It's all about that experience of that which moves you, what opens you up, what flows through you, what carries you deeper. These are the kind of things that the sex point of the Iron Pentacle is asking us to examine. So the, the second point is pride. Let's talk about pride. So really the whole pentacle is all about life force. And so whereas we have opened up to this greater sense of universal life force through the point of sex, we then can imagine drawing that pentacle. So again, I, I want to give you a visual. The, the iron pentacle, uh, we can describe that as being upon our own bodies. So the point of sex is usually placed at the center of the forehead. This also kind of reminds us that with sex, the greatest sexual organ in the body is the brain. And so we open up through all of our senses and allow this life force to enter us. And then we draw this pentacle down our bodies. Um, and if we are inscribing it on the physical body, then the next point of pride um, can be stationed at the right foot. Um, so pride is about how this life force has entered us and now begins to shine through us unimpeded. We simply shine with this life force. We simply are who we are. True pride is not about comparing ourselves to anyone else. I'm not great because someone else is smaller than me. This is all about just having a legitimate, authentic experience of the self, allowing this energy to, to run through us, um, and just shining in our own being. This is a state that is pre-conscious. It's not about thinking about how great I am. It's simply about being the best person that I could possibly be. Um, this is not an ego experience, and this is usually what people think of when they think of pride. In fact, pride is one of the seven deadly sins. You know, in fact, it's one of the, it's such a greatest sin that it caused the angel Lucifer to fall from grace. And yet here we are in the Iron Pentacle encouraging people to have a healthy sense of pride. Again, this is really just about allowing ourselves to shine forth in all of our, in all of our being. Um, yeah. So the third point of self, when we're talking about self, and one of the things too with the pentacle that, that I do want to touch on later on in our discussion is ways that we can look at these different points as focal points in our life to, to help our own healing process, our own shamanic exploration. But when we're looking at the, the point of self, um, one of the things that I, I find to be really, really interesting is that it's really about gnosis. I mean, that's how it comes off to me. It's how well do I know myself? Well, and it's also reminding us that self is not a singular monolith. Okay, so usually we think of, oh, myself, and we, we think of it as a pretty cohesive unit. But through the work in the Iron Pentacle, what actually is revealed is that self is very fluid. It's very changeable. It's all about asking ourselves, where do I end and another person begin? Well, esoterically, we, we recognize, well, we're all one. So there is this greater unity you know, underlying this. But what, what is my expression? What is my core? If we're following the, the progression of life force through the Iron Pentacle from sex through pride, pride, again, was 
pre-conscious. Now this life force flows into the point of self, which on the body we can position at the left hand. Um, this point now is about shining the light of that life force within us so that we can start to be introspective. This is less about being self-conscious and more about being self-aware. And power. Moving from the point of self, we move over to the next station, of course, which is power. And this we can position at the right hand. Power is very tricky because often we have negative feelings about what power is. Usually we're thinking about what has been termed power over, which is about manipulation, coercion, and control. It is the type of power that we see inherent in hierarchies. Um, but this is not the type of power that we're talking about. Power is simply the ability to do, to create, to cause change. It's how we exert ourselves into the world. It can be very small, such as it is my will, it is my power to come on this show today. Or it can be something greater, you know, helping me to really put myself out there in terms of, you know, um, presenting a project, you know, to the world, whatever it is. Um, but power in this sense is all about power from within. It's about really discovering our own ability to cause change in the world and then doing that unabashedly. And then we move to the fifth point, which is passion. So this energy from power, we've, we've exerted ourselves into the world, and now the life force travels down to the final station, which we can position at the left foot. Passion, again, like all of them, is rather tricky. Um, often people will think of the positive aspects of passion. Oh, you know, the passion of lovers, or, you know, I have a passion for a hobby or for my spirituality. And indeed, those are really awesome things about passion. What gets you up in the morning? What moves you? But passion can also be what we consider to be negative. Consider the phrase, it was a crime of passion. You know, passion is really just about our ability as humans to feel things deeply, not to shy away from our emotions, but in fact to revel in them because it is a gift of the goddess. You know, so opening up to our deep emotions and allowing them to run through us. It's said in fairy that the um, point of passion is the gateway to ecstasy and much of the work in fairy tradition witchcraft is ecstatically based um, and so but feeling things deeply this gate to ecstasy is not just about feeling joy and happiness um, we can also experience this ecstatic state through rage or through sorrow or grief in my own work I tend to try to focus on things that are more positive. I want to focus on, I do want to focus on the joy because I feel that that gives more value to my life. But if I find myself in a state of grief or I find myself in a state of rage, I can use the tools of the passion point of the Iron Pentacle in order to help me channel that into a productive place. So with the Iron Pentacle, we've obviously got these these five separate points that, that end up um, really being gauges of our own energy. But why is witches who aren't involved in the fairy tradition of witchcraft, who aren't involved in reclaiming, why would the other you know, 90% of, of witches out there want to use the Iron Pentacle? Well, I would say simply because it's a useful tool. And it has been presented to a wider audience, again, through the spiral dance. And so I think a lot of people outside of fairy and outside of reclaiming are already working with the Iron Pentacle. But if you're not working with the Iron Pentacle... 
I think that it's a great tool. It's a great way to be able to help us examine just what the heck is going on in our inner landscape a little bit more. How am I balanced or imbalanced with these particular points? It's not just something that is relevant to fairy or reclaiming witches. These are points and concepts that are relevant to all human life on this planet. And if we really want to become balanced and strong in our mundane lives and in our magic, we need to know where our powers and our pitfalls are. And the Iron Pentacle is a type of psychic diagnostic tool. It enables us to see deeper and more clearly where these pitfalls and where these powers are. So it gives us an opportunity to then start working with them to create a greater sense of power and balance in our lives. So, Rowan, have you ever used the Iron Pentacle before? I have not, and my knowledge of it is very minimal. I know pretty much like what Storm just explained. Right. <laughs> I know what I I know what I know from either having read stuff that Storm has written or stuff that uh, Thorn Coil has written, and that's really right. about it. I don't really have any, um, you know, working knowledge of it. Like yeah. No. It, it, before so. before moving to California, I had never heard of it, and. Um, yeah. Out here, it's 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 a big practice. I mean, I, I know a lot of people out in California end up using it, but in the Midwest and on the East Coast, it's not something that's very right. common. Yeah. Well, here I have a question for Storm, and this is now we're kind of backtracking a little, but um, Storm, I was wondering if you could explain for our listeners who, because I know we have a lot of listeners that might not know this um, difference. Could you explain a little bit the difference between, um, for context, fairy? As in F-E-R-I fairy, and then the other, you know, F-A-E-R-Y fairy traditions that people might be familiar with, just so that there's some context. Because I know there might be a lot of people who are like, oh, I've read books on fairy. I've never heard of this before. So could you explain a little of that? Right. And it really, on the surface, it sounds like a very straightforward question. Yeah, And it's I not. have to say, it's so <laughs> convoluted because then, okay, so in a nutshell, the fairy F-E-R-I tradition, and that is just really one way of spelling our tradition. Mm -hmm. And I have to mention that because really, at least originally, our tradition is an oral tradition. Right. And so there is no official way of spelling it. Our founder, Victor Anderson, started spelling it F-E-R-I sometime in the mid-90s as an attempt to um, differentiate it from other traditions that were also using the name fairy, mm -hmm. uh, most notably R.J. Stewart's fairy mm -hmm. tradition, which is often mm -hmm. spelled F-A-E-R-Y. Right. Um, Orion Foxwood has his fairy seership tradition. Mm -hmm. um, there is also some other fairy traditions, the radical fairies, right. which were largely a queer men's group, but is now you know opened up to a large audience from what I understand. And there's many other traditions too. Um, so in a nutshell... Um, the, tr the fairy witchcraft tradition, um, sometimes referred to as Anderson fairy tradition, um, is a particular lineage of witchcraft that runs um, separate from Gardnerian Wicca. Um, we actually can trace our origins back to um, a coven in Oregon um, in the late 1920s that called themselves the Harpies. Um, but we derive our um, energetic um, and initiatory lineage from the late Victor Anderson. So it is a specific tradition of witchcraft um, that is um, different. It's wholly separate from Wicca. Um, and um, not all of our practitioners work with the fairy realm, which was probably a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> but I hope that gives at least some context. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, now my question regarding the Iron Pentacle. So you were talking about um, the first point, the point of sex, and when you had mentioned that it doesn't necessarily mean sex as in the act of sex. Now, in this regard, are we talking about anything that brings on that sort of ecstatic feeling that sex gives? Is that kind of what we're looking at? Yeah, we're really looking at, first and foremost, life force. Now, life force, as it impacts our mammal bodies, is sexual. Often when we open up to life force, we will have a sexual response. Um, Maybe we don't necessarily um, consciously acknowledge that because in our society, we tend to downplay you know, um, the, the sexual response. But really what I'm talking about is opening up to this greater amount of life force. We, you know, for, for example, we can even talk about it in terms of Reiki, you know, right. Reiki connecting to universal life force. The sex point, you know, is very reminiscent of what we're actually doing it, uh, um, during the practice of Reiki. Although I will say with Reiki, you know, it is usually, um, um, kind of the physical response is kind of downplayed because that, that's not really encouraged, I will say, um, you know, to have a sexual response, you know, during a, re- a Reiki section. Um, but, you know, fairy tradition um, considers itself to be a sex cult. I mean, even Cora Anderson, who was in her 90s and I would go and right. visit her and she was like laying in her sick bed, described fairy as a sex cult. And that is pretty... You know, striking language, um, because that, that itself brings up a lot of imagery. I'm sure the many readers out there, upon hearing that phrase, you know, have their own set of visuals that just dance through their brain. And that what this really does, though, is it calls us to really question what sex is. This is really only telling us how we feel about sex. So if I say we're a sex cult, and then suddenly dancing in our brains are, you know, bo- big bonfire orgies and, you know, and whatnot, <laughs> you know, that doesn't really say anything about the sex point um, on the Iron Pentacle. That says something about how we as individuals are embodying sex. And so we are being asked to open up our understanding of sex to include many more things than you would normally think of. Consider this. Right now, for you, Rowan, for you, Devin, and for all the listeners out there, um, we are having some type of sexual experience right now because everyone is hearing the sound of my voice. The vibration of my voice is being carried through the airwaves, carried through the internet tubes, and are now, you know, going through people's speakers and are going into their ears and affecting the inner ear. And it's actually quite intimate. And so everyone right now is having a sexual experience by allowing their energy bodies to be permeable and allowing this new energy, this new life force, this new information to come in to cause change. We become greater than the sum of our parts. And this, in a nutshell, is the point of sex on the Iron Pentacle. Well, the reason that I ask that is because when you're talking about that, it makes me think of um, this particular sensation and situation um, Right now on my blog for the Pagan Blog Project, the last two weeks I've been writing about entheogens and my experience within the um, modern urban tribal culture, specifically within um, rave culture. And there's a, a large topic about sex that comes up with people who are, you know, into this whole thing beyond, you know, the whole party aspect, but people who actually approach it from a spiritual perspective, because a lot of people describe their um, experiences when they go to, you know, like a six, seven hour 
um, you know, party where you're hearing that trance beat over and over for six hours. A lot of people talk about having a sexual experience from just being in that environment and hearing, you know, that drum beat for that extended period of time. And it's always been interesting to me to know, you know, that there is that aspect of when we talk about sex, there is that aspect of how, you know, they, you know, like they say, the biggest erogenous zone is the brain. You know, we have sexual experiences in ways that are very different from what our conscious mind often says, well, that's a sexual experience. So it's interesting when somebody will describe like, you know, how their body reacted or how their mind reacted after dancing for three hours to the same drum beat. And it's like, oh, well, that sounds kind of like an orgasm or that sounds kind of like a sexual response. And they're like, oh, no, no, that can't be it at all. It was nothing like that. And yeah, it has nothing little, to do with the drugs. Yeah, it has, it has nothing to I do mean, with the drugs. I mean, and that's that's what's interesting is that there are a lot of people that, you know, they get into that whole thing, you know, because of drugs and because of what looks cool. And then they, you know, you mature, you stop doing the drugs because you realize that trance beat, that, that entrainment with the drumming is enough to do all of these amazing things to you without having to take any drugs at all. And when you hear someone talk about having that kind of almost orgasmic experience for the first time without anything other than their own brain doing its thing... It sounds a lot like that. It sounds a lot like the idea of, you know, opening up to how, you know, sexual experience comes in so many different ways. So it was just interesting. Absolutely. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Yeah, that's, well, that's ecstatic witchcraft. That's the... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's kind of what what it is. So when we're looking at these points, I mean, we've got these five different points. There are five individual points. What happens when we put them all together? Ah, well, in fairy lore, it's said that when all... five points of the iron pentacle um, are in balance, then this encourages a state of being that we call the black heart of innocence. And this is really about um, coming back to our spiritual core um, that is not separate from these points, but is a um, convergence of all of them. So the black heart of innocence fully embodies sex, fully embodies pride, self, power, and passion. All is one. So when we finally are able to kind of tweak, you know, where our personal balance is with each of these points, we are able to come into a greater sense of our own self and our own center. It really is a process of being able to lift the veil. This is a way for us to be able to look beyond um, the world of the everyday and start looking into the other world, Um, that um, rich dimension of energy that intersects our current waking consciousness. Um, The Iron Pentacle, as a tool, enables us to open this veil, to open this gate, and step through into greater amounts of our own power. So what if if somebody at home was interested in in doing an Iron Pentacle practice, what what would that look like? Well, it's going to look like a lot of different ways. Different teachers have different ways of approaching it. There are some many great ways um, out there um, on the internet, um, in the Spiral Dance, in um, T. Thorne Coyle's book, Evolutionary Witchcraft. There are ways that have been presented for a new practitioner to start to embody this work. But I will say, you can just kind of go back to the beginning. Victor Anderson, when he would teach the Iron Pentacle, he reportedly would just say, here are the five points of the Iron Pentacle, and now go meditate on them. 
and there wasn't any particular way in which you were instructed to meditate on them. The beginning was, of course, just allowing these points to have a relationship with your everyday life. So I would I would advise if anyone here was interested in um, studying and working with the Iron Pentacle, the first step would be to simply memorize the points sex, pride, self, power, and passion. And then in a meditative state, however you want to create that, allow yourself to contemplate these five points and see how you feel. So call up the point of sex. So just for today, we're going to meditate on the point of sex and allow ourselves the space to discover how do I feel about sex? All of my thoughts and feelings about sex, whether it be actual physical sexual encounters that I've had in my past, I'll allow myself to think about that and the commonality of them, um, perhaps sexual fantasies that I have had. But then beyond that, um, also you know, rec starting to recognize what other events in my life have been sexual or can I understand as being sexual. Again, before I mentioned you know, maybe seeing like a beautiful piece of art or a beautiful sunset, or how about listening to a great piece of music that completely just transports you, that transforms you, that, that carries you further. These are the types of things that we want to meditate on when we're focusing on the sex point. And then we want to ask ourselves, where do I feel this in my body? So if I was looking at that beautiful sunset and it takes my breath away, where do I feel that in my body? This is a key from the body as to how I am manifesting this sexual energy. You have a, um, a meditation album coming out this summer that is specifically working with the Iron Pentacle. Yes. So, yeah, this, so this summer um, I'm hoping to release um, my second um, Trance Journey CD, which is all about the Iron Pentacle. Um, right now I'm envisioning it with three main tracks. I'm going to give um, a spoken word instructional as to what the Iron Pentacle is. And then I will have two separate meditations um, for working with the Iron Pentacle. One will be um, more in-depth to kind of act as an introduction energetically to the Pentacle. Um, and then I will have another um, shorter meditative version, which is intended to be more of kind of a daily practice version of working with the pentacle. And so it's my hope to make this very powerful tool more available to people who could get benefit from it. And so, yeah, I'm hoping this summer I'll be able to release that. Storm, if people wanted to find out more about you um, or more about the Iron Pentacle, you've already mentioned some books, but of course there's fairytradition.com, F-E-R-I, tradition.com. And if you go to the Grimoire section, you can see um, under practices, they are, there's actually information about the Iron Pentacle and the Pearl Pentacle, mm -hmm. um, as well as there's information about the divinities within the fairy tradition. There's a lot of really good stuff. And that was a website that you and your partner created. Yeah, actually several years ago, um, there really wasn't that much information online about um, fairy tradition, and um, I found it very useful, and so um, my husband Chaz and I decided to create a space in which we could collect um, different versions of fairy lore and practices from the very divergent lines of fairy, and um, and so we created fairytradition.com. And so, yeah, as you mentioned, there is... Um, uh, a list of practices, you know, there's work with the Iron Pentacle, the Pearl Pentacle, the Three Souls, the Kala Rite, 
Um, but there's also a list of, of fairy teachers who are offering classes throughout the country and the world. Um, so it stands as a um, type of community resource um, for anyone who is um, initiated in fairy, who are students of fairy, or who maybe are just interested in fairy, you can find something there to kind of help deepen your practice. And your website is fairywolf.com. Yes, that's, I'll spell it. It's F-A-E-R-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And there you can find out more about me and also see my schedule and my services. Um, so, yeah. All right, Storm, thank you so much for joining us this week. And we'll have, we'll have to have you back on, especially when the album drops. And, uh, yeah, well, thank you so much. Thanks, guys, for having me back. I appreciate it. And we'll be right back after we listen to some, well, really awesome pagan music, because that's what we do here on The Modern Witch.
really no big deal. And you sit every day, guys. She's a mother off to work. She is driving in her car. She's a goddess in the elevator, rising like a star. They say she's working like a man, but they don't understand. She's dancing with the goddess in her heart. She's that woman on the phone. She's smoothing out a deal, and though her back is aching, she's a goddess in high heels. She works six a.m. to three, and it may be hard to see, but the beauty of the goddess runs deep. It's really not Trying to find a way. I am the maiden and the mother and the queen, but it's really no big deal. It's just another day. As long as we're getting a bit technical, I'd like to remind you that most women and children can perceive higher frequencies of sound than most men. Thank you. 
to the Modern Witch Podcast. Today's Pagan Pop Culture for the Modern Witch. I'm your host, Devin Hunter, and your lovely hostess, Rowan Pendragon, is around here somewhere. Rowan, are you there? Hello! <laughs> there's Rowan. There's Rowan. So, we got all this really great stuff. So, hopefully, next week, we'll have um, Yashay Rabbit mm. on to talk about the, the, the split, um, which happens all the time. Let, yeah. it, let us just begin with that. People need yeah. to realize that it does happen all the time, and it's usually for stuff like this. I mean, you usually don't split off just because you think your high priestess has a, you know, hair up her butt. Right. Usually you're splitting off because there have been issues for a long period of time. Yeah, when, usually if you have someone or a group of someones that either hive from a single coven or a overarching tradition, it's usually because there has become an evolution on one end or the other and it's now caused some, you know, very unpassable change in perspective which is what's happened here and mm-hmm. it happens all the time and whether it's the an individual or like you know a daughter coven you know breaks away it just it happens and and we don't see it so publicly you know you don't usually see groups going around making big announcements because they're not big public groups but you know when you do see a public group do it it is exactly in this manner um not always as graceful but <laughs> in the same general tone you know but 
it happens. It happens all the mm-hmm. time. And, and, you know, for people that have never been in covens or in groups like that, you know, they may not realize that, that it's not an unusual process. And usually it is much more private and you just don't know that it's happening. But Right. It's just it's just bigger this yeah. time because it's attached to such a very big thing that happens. Exactly. But yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So hopefully we'll have her on the show next week. Um, to to talk about that because that is a very important thing. Mm-hmm. That's a very big thing that's happening in paganism. Um, and it, it, oh, I'm so excited about it. It looks like it. The whole thing is is a bright new day for a <laughs> lot of people. And um, I think that everybody who who has felt the the sting of this, you know, go read her post. Yeah. She she put it really. She put it out very wonderfully. Um, so we'll be talking about that, and that's always a good thing. Yeah. Now, aside from that, Rowan, you just completed your your level one or your so your first degree training mm-hmm. in the Cabot tradition yep. with Lori Cabot. How was that? I'm so elated, <laughs> I have to say. Now, here's the reason why. When I was when I was young, when I first got um, got well, I should say discovered Wicca, I guess specifically. Um, Cunningham was the first thing I had read when I had found found the craft, as it were, but. Laurie Cabot's book, Power of the Witch, was one of the next things that I had read. And I have always gravitated towards that kind of, you know, we've talked about this, like you and I have talked about this before. There's, you know, that old school witchcraft kind of vibe that kind of underlines a lot of stuff that happens out here on the East Coast. And, And I've always really been more into things that are very... I guess the only way to describe it is witchy. I'm not the spiritual pagan. I'm not very, you know, oh, you know, the goddess is here. Like I'm not, I'm not one of those kinds of pagans. I'm much more into working the magic and doing the actual like work and, you know, casting spells and doing ritual and doing meditations and doing psychic work. That's more my, that's my bag, baby. So, you know, that's more my thing. And and one of the reasons that I've always like my work that I've done with Christopher, the reason I gravitated towards his stuff later was because he is, he himself trained with Lori Cabot and much of his work is based on things that he learned through her stuff and the things that he had learned with witchcraft approached as a science, that there are things about doing spells, doing ritual, working magic that can be seen in a scientific way you know quantum physics has come to a point where we can verify so much of what we do um it's just a matter of looking for for that stuff and slowly we're starting to see that scientists and physicists and you know various other factions of the scientific community are starting to look at some of the different things that we've known and worked with for you know years and years and years and years and starting to say well you know maybe there's a little something to it one of the big things was, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, um, and I, be- I believe it was a bunch of Chinese doctors or scientists that had discovered that, you know, some stuff about the aura and energy healing that, you know, people who work with Reiki and work with, you know, energy healing and stuff have known for years, you know, that yeah, we don't necessarily heal you, but we help you get on that path faster, you know, and they kind of discovered that, yeah, there's a light, you know, there's a light body to the physical body that can be affected and that that energy work can have a, you know, it's like talking about prayer, you know, that, that vibration, those, those energy vibrations can have an effect 
on the physical. And so that's starting to become more of a realization to the scientific community. And so it's starting to validate a lot of what we do. I'm not one. I mean, I, I, I'm going to end up using the word to define the word, but I do believe that belief is important, but knowing is even more important. Being able to know that what you're doing is real is important because it gives you that confidence to keep doing what you're doing, you know? So with, um, with the Cabot tradition, you know, that whole scientific approach is a huge part of, of it. If anyone's ever read any of Lori's books, or if you've ever talked to anyone who's ever worked with, um, Cabot tradition, or even if you've read Christopher Penzek's books, because a lot of it is very similar. Um, it's different, but similar. Um, and, science and that verification is a big part of it and being able to you know not necessarily work from a place of belief but from a place of knowing and being able to find proof in what you do so now um you know now i've had the opportunity to do some things very similar things that i had done with christopher for the last three years but do it in a bit of a different way because Lori does things a little differently than he does one of the big things that that i got to experience that difference was working um, with healing stuff. So learning how to, um, do energy healing, sending energy, sending light, um, and doing, um, diet medical, not necessarily medical diagnosis as in, I'm going to tell you if you have cancer, but, but working with someone who, you know, they know of a physical condition that a person has and being able to, without them telling you, being able to find where and where and how and, and all of that, being able to say, okay, well, you might not know that it's cancer. Like you might do your diagnosis work, the psychic work that we do and not be able to say, well, it's cancer of the liver, but you might be able to say, well, there's something in like the mid lower midsection on the right that, you know, is, looks like this or feels like this. It's kind of similar to doing like scanning work in Reiki when you do an aura scan, when you start a Reiki session to kind of get a feel well, at least that's how I do it, to get a feel before you start doing your hand placements to see what areas might need more energy. And then you can kind of feel like the energy being pulled, much like when you do Reiki. You know, if if spot really needs healing, it just sucks the energy because it needs it. Um, You know, and so being able to do that and then knowing like, okay, this person has a diagnosis and they're already being treated. What what we are doing as someone who's going to send healing we're not heal. We're not quote healers. We're not healing anyone, but we're helping them because they're already getting the treatment they need. When we send someone energy and light, like prayer or whatever it is you're going to do, it helps that person to advance and to be able to accept their body is going to open up to accept the work that's being done medically easier. You know, it's one of the reasons that people um, get Reiki when they're going mm-hmm. through. You know, like for example, my mother had breast cancer uh, end of last year. And one of the things when she went to go and see the oncologist before they were getting ready to start scheduling surgery for her, she had mentioned to the oncologist that she's like, oh, my daughter does Reiki. And the, and the oncologist was all excited about that, which my mother thought was kind of funny (laughs) because I don't think that she expected a doctor, a medical doctor to be like, oh, that's great. You know, you should have some Reiki too. But Again, we're, you know, the medical, you know, medical field and science is starting to see that this stuff does have an effect. It is beneficial and it's not meant to take the place of medical work. It's meant to complement it. And when you complement those things and they're working together, people heal a lot faster. 
That's true. You know, so that that's a large part of um, first degree is learning psychic development and um, being able to actually use it to help people and to do healing and stuff like that. So it was very, very cool, very exciting, very. It was honestly the achievement of a childhood dream because since I was like fourteen, I wanted to learn from from her and get to spend time with her like that. So now I've had the chance to do that. And uh, next month, I am moving on to the next level. So oh, that's really exciting. It is. Awesome. So you'll have to you'll have to keep everyone um, up to date on on how all that is going. Yeah. Because you're going to have a lot of interested witches. <laughs> I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Modern Witch, and we'll be back next week with more pagan music and news and discussion and all of that good stuff um so until then i wish you all a very very happy week
Hey there, Devin Hunter here. Uh, you've been listening to this month's Full Moon playlist. If you want to find out who was on the playlist and the music that was actually on the show, visit our website, www.themodernwitchpodcast.com. You're listening to The Modern Witch here on Pagan Radio. Those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it The heat is too intense for it What good would common sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft Wicked witchcraft And although I know It's strictly taboo When you arouse the need in me My heart says yes indeed in me Proceed with what you're leading me to It's such an ancient pitch But one I wouldn't switch Cause there's no nicer witch than you And although I know it's strictly taboo When you arouse the need in me My heart says yes indeed in me Proceed with what you're leading me to It's such an ancient pitch But one that I'd never switch Cause there's no nicer witch than you 